Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. Podway is the podcast where we talk about things about musicals and plays and theater. And in today's episode, we will be talking about, I feel like a lot of people's favorite, well, maybe a lot of people don't know about it, but a very Potter musical. Okay, when you say a lot of people's favorite, I think you're specifically referring to me and when yes. you said a lot of people don't know about it I think you were specifically referring to yourself exactly. so the entire spectrum <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah as, as uh I probably alluded in this kind of comment uh I'm very excited for this episode I cannot wait to see what Claire thinks about it because we've been very patient and we haven't discussed it at all and by we I mean I have been very patient So even though it was like maybe a second for you or like a week, whatever, if you follow it weekly, thank you, by the way. It's been like a month since we recorded. (laughs) So if we're a bit rusty, no, that's why. But that's the spirit of this. This is like a student made uh, musical. It's like a parody. So it's a bit more laid back. I think we can channel it with our attitude as well. What do you think, Claire? Yeah, I mean, after watching it, it's the type of musical that not the same level as like Phantom or something. So I definitely expect a lighter episode. Um, Hopefully that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I guess I'll give a bit of a synopsis of what it is. Um, And I'll talk a little bit about how it ties into Harry Potter um, in the end of the synopsis. So um, a Harry Potter musical is a musical parody of the Harry Potter series, like the name suggests. Um, And the musical starts off with Harry beginning his second year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And he is chosen to compete against three other students at a house cup where he will undergo dangerous challenges. So along the way, he navigates friendship, relationships, and he also attempts to defeat an evil wizard named Voldemort, which is a staple of the entire series. A little bit of a disclaimer, I guess, for the rest of the episode. We'll put there uh, that here. So um, I guess for the benefits of those who haven't read the Harry Potter books or haven't seen the movies, we will try to explain along the ways the relevant background so you won't be in the dark for the entire episode. And for those of you who have read or seen it or had a mild or overblown obsession with the series like myself, I apologize in advance, but hopefully it won't be too much. So this is, I think, like the first marking the first time where we're like segueing into like less mainstream musicals. So up until now, we covered something that debuted in like that was on Broadway or West End or something that is more mainstream. And this is a student led uh, musical made by university students that just got humongously big, about 100 million views in total. Actually, 300 million views, I believe. Wow. In total for um, all of the clips that they have for that. And it's really available on YouTube. Even though it's not traditional, it's not Broadway, not West End, it's it's ginormous, it's huge, and it has a big cult following, actually. So uh, it's very exciting. <laughs> what is your relationship with uh, the Harry Potter series, Claire, and with musical in particular, I guess? I know you're a big fan, but for me, <laughs> I like <laughs> I only read some of the books and I read them in Chinese, mm-hmm. so that was very different. And I guess I was familiar with the movies when I was a kid, but I won't say that I'm too too familiar with it. I watched like a couple movies, not all of them, in my childhood, and like you know, kind of read a little bit of here and there but um honestly I kind of stopped following it after a few years and I guess it's because Harry Potter is just not as big in my childhood environment as it is in like North American culture I guess 
for the record, I also didn't watch Star Wars. And I know like most of the times when I tell my Canadian friends that I have no idea what Star Wars is about, all of them is like, oh, how Wait, could so you? Wait, so you didn't know? You didn't know? Like you didn't know about it at all? You haven't heard the name before? Star Wars? Yeah. Like before you came, I guess, to Canada or something. Or you just I haven't I can't watched. even remember if I knew it or not. But wow. I absolutely know nothing about it. Like, I mean, I know what it is. I just don't know what it is about. And I have no idea, like, how many movie movies there are. Like, what kind of stuff is going on in that world, kind of. I see, I see. So, absolutely zero <laughs> knowledge. Maybe we much. should rectify that someday. <laughs> Though I don't think you'd actually like the movie. I don't think they're your style. I think but it you only means special things to people who grew up with it. And for me, I grew up with, like, I don't know, Ghibli, Pokemon, that sort of thing. Oh so. That is very different. So no judgment here, guys. I just come from a different culture. That's all. Um, so yeah, I won't say like I'm super familiar with Harry Potter series. I kind of know what's going on without really knowing too much details. You're the expert on this, Becky, since oh, you read all the books, I think. So um, um, people yeah, will come for me if I make a little mistake. I think if you say that, so maybe, maybe let's not. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have been very into the Harry Potter series, I guess, especially as a kid. So um, I think the total times I've read them is between 30 to 40 times um, each book. I just used to do like a read through every few months. Um, In terms of the movies, I have seen up to the fifth movie. And in the fifth movie, I was really, really upset that they blamed Cho for ratting like the Dumbledore's army out rather than her friend so I actually walked out of the movie theater theater when I watched it and I haven't watched any of them yeah uh any of them after the fifth one from the books themselves of course as I said I've been very obsessive very like I liked it a lot um I was one of those like people I think in elementary or middle school that like let it define them and I think that's very cringy at the moment so they are definitely near and dear to my heart in terms of a very popular musical, I also have a very long relationship with that. So I moved to Canada around like 2010 or something like that. I knew basically nobody and uh, I didn't really stay in a school that had like people who looked like me at all. So uh, I, it felt a little bit lonely or isolated, but um, I made like a lot of friends talking about like different book series that we liked. So Harry Potter was a big one of them. Percy Jackson was another big one of them. And um, they introduced me to a very Potter musical. Uh, and it was really, really nice to see it together. It was like a lot of fun, something you can joke about. And so, like, it's very hype worthy, I think, when you're a teenager, especially. Like, they have a lot of like edgy humor, I think, that is not in the book. They make a lot of like jokes about like meta things in the book. So um, it's very entertaining to watch as a group, like with people. Um, so if you have the chance to do that, I highly recommend. Um, and I think I watched a, a very Potter musical, musical, um, probably over five to like over five times between five to ten times so I'm very very familiar with it I showed it to my family uh, even though they don't enjoy it so I care about this is is the long rambling word vomiting (laughs) part of it so I'm very very excited to see what Claire thinks I really really didn't want to hear before this episode I wanted to keep it fresh um so Claire a lot is hanging on you today (laughs) Wow. Okay. And not in a judgmental way, because as I said, like I showed it to my family and none of them liked it. So if you don't like it, I would understand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the pressure is on. The pressure is on. Just 
I'm just curious to see what you have to say. That's it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, starting with the first song, going back to Hogwarts. So a bit of a background, I guess. The series um, kind of like takes elements from all seven books in some way or another, um, but it really heavily focuses on the fourth and seventh. They also have like a Harry Potter sequel and a Harry Potter senior year. Um, and if you want us to cover the, those, we'll definitely be happy to. And this one specifically focuses more on the fourth and seventh year. And I think like the fact that Quirrell is there, it does have some elements, heavy elements from the first book as well. So uh, in terms of the song, it's a very lengthy opening number. So be warned people who are like just diving into this. We open with Harry sitting alone. And then as he sings, we see um, Ron entering and taking Harry to Diagon Alley, where they meet Hermione. And we also get introduced to pretty much all of the cast of Diagon Alley, including Ron's sister Ginny, and also Cho Chang, who is the girl Harry is crushing on, her boyfriend Cedric Diggory, and Harry's rival, quote-unquote rival, Draco Malfoy, and his two cronies, Cra uh, Crab and Goyle. And then they're onboarding the Hogwarts Express to Hogwarts, and that's when we meet Dumbledore. What do you think of this first song? Um, there's a lot going on here. There and there's a lot, a lot of uh, dialogue in between. So yeah. you really have to kind of pay attention to like what's going on. Um, but in general, I think it's a very catchy song. And it has a lot of like inside jokes you will hear throughout the musical, I guess. Like it's totally gonna be awesome or something where he's totally awesome so that's interesting and I think one thing that really shocked me in this song was that Draco Malfoy was played by a girl yeah and I didn't know that before so I was like who's this person <laughs> and he has his um obsession of a school called Pickfarts and mm -hmm. apparently it's on Mars I also like how Ron is just always eating yes. that's also another kind of small thing that I pick up and it was kind of funny um other than that like the song itself musically is okay it's not my favorite necessarily but I think it's definitely a very fun opening to all the characters too and it definitely shows a different version of Harry since the very beginning because um the movie version of Harry I don't know how he is exactly in the books mm -hmm. but in the movie he sings more I don't know, reserved in a way. Like, he's he's more kind in a way. But in this version, he's very shallow. And he's <laughs> very... He has a little bit even, like, arrogant sort of attitude, which is totally. so different. Um, totally. So, yeah. So, for those who want to have a different version of Harry Potter, then this is what you get. And you can definitely see that from this very first song of the musical. Yeah, so... um. I guess to talk about Draco Malfoy a little bit more, he's played by Lauren Lopez, who is fantastic. Um, the, I guess, group that makes this musical, Star Kids, they, uh, they staged a bunch of other musicals as well. 
and she has a bigger role in some of the other musicals and like her singing is really good her acting is really good and for me Draco is one of my favorite characters in this entire musical um so I really think she steals the show playing him every single time she's on stage she does a really really good job um yeah, and I think like a lot of the quirks that they had, so I think you mentioned like Ron constantly eating. Um, that's something that like the actors brought it by themselves. Like they weren't like staged to do it in one way or another. It wasn't something that was written into their character. Really? Um I yeah. That. yeah. So I think like later on you will see like um you will see him eating constantly and there are a lot of like fun things that he does with the eating and especially so in the sequels that we're not going to talk about today but just to mention um in terms of my feelings about the song it's actually my favorite number in the musical so we're starting off very strong and the reason why it's my favorite is because it's so catchy like I could probably sing the entire thing from the top of my head right now just because I've heard it so many times it's a very fun song it introduces almost every single character and the way they introduce them is in such a funny way that it like really sticks to your um, mind. So I really, really liked this number. All right. From there, we're going on to different as can be. So um, after going back to Hogwarts is done, um, we meet pretty much all of the remaining cast. So uh, one notable character is Severus Snape, the potions professor, and the other one is Professor Quirrell, who is the defense against the dark arts professor. And then the students at Hogwarts get sorted into like four houses that just like general housekeeping in terms of like Harry Potter stuff. So Gryffindor is where Harry, Ron, and Hermione are. Slytherin is where Draco, Crabbe, and Goyle are. Ravenclaw is where Cho Chang is, and Hufflepuff is where Cedric is. So um, as Quirrell, who, as I mentioned, is the Defense Against the Dark Art Professor, enters, Harry's scar started burning, which is another like layover from the book. Quirrell introduces the concept of the House Cup tournament, in which um, each member of the four, house, uh, four houses competes for the cup by completing a series of challenges that are very dangerous and previously deadly. Um, and then, like, while he was talking about the House Cup tournament, his turban sneezes, um, and he excuses himself from the hole. <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to like say oh it was just a fart it wasn't a sneeze uh but nobody i think really believes him but they don't care enough to investigate further and so while he leaves snape's uh takes over and he draws the name of the champions at quote-unquote randomly um from the cup to compete in the tournament so the champions are cho chang cedric diggory draco malfoy and harry potter so um after this whole like sorting i guess is done um, Hermione expresses her concerns about the tournament and is worried that Snape drew Harry's name from the cup on purpose in order to kill him. And Ron and Harry, and, and Harry are very confident about Harry competing and they aren't really taking her very seriously. And then Malfoy enters to make fun of Harry and talk about Pickforts again. Um, and he explains that Pickforts is like the greatest wizard school in the galaxy, but it's on Mars. And that headmaster is a lion who can talk. His name is Rumbleroar. And um, I know it sounds silly like right now, but it will become relevant later on. So I thought I'll mention it. So yeah, along the way, he kind of like insults Harry's parents, Ron, Hermione, basically everybody. And Hermione gets really fed up and she curses Grab and Goyle and threatens Malfoy and leaves after. So after everybody leaves, Quirrell enters and he reveals Voldemort, who has been living at the back of his head. And for those of you who don't know, Harry is famous for defeating Voldemort. And Voldemort is a very powerful dark wizard 
and he defeated him when he was a baby. Um, so Voldemort wants revenge, and he also wants world domination. So when Harry defeated Voldemort as a baby, Voldemort's spirit went to the Forbidden Forest and lived until Quirrell found him there and let him attach himself to his soul. So that's how he came to be at the back of his head. Then we get to see like Voldemort and Quirrell's different personalities. Since they're very different people, living together can be a little bit of a problem for them uh, because they have to compromise on a bunch of things. Um, so they think about it in like different as can be. I think books are a thrill, sipping tea by the fire is swell. Pushing people in is fun as well. I like folding all my ties. I do have no friends, hey, that's a surprise. I guess it's plain to see when you look at you and me. We're different, different as can be. And then they transition to their hopes and dreams for the future. Voldemort is hoping to get his body again and rule the world. And Quirrell um, will get part of the world. So that's like Quirrell's incentive. What did he think of it? So there's so much going on here that I feel like I need to like break it down. Totally. Um, so first thing first, I just want to point out how um, it's hilarious that Dumbledore didn't even make an effort about his beard. He just walks on the stage with this like really fake Santa beard almost. And he was just like, yeah, whatever. And he curses a lot too. So there you have it again. It's like so different from what you would expect from the movie or the books. The other really funny fact that I picked up is the fact that nobody really cared about the Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. And that's also something that I pick up from the movie too. So to prepare for this episode, I actually rewatched the first couple of movies for Harry Potter. And one thing that I watched it with my family too. And my family <laughs> strongly commented on how nobody really cared about what's going on in Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. And nobody just seems to care about what these two houses are about. Um, and they make a joke about that in the musical too. Because Dumbledore pretty much just said something like, I'm just going to put whoever looks like a good guy to Gryffindor and whoever looks like a bad guy to Slytherin. And then the rest of them, they can just go wherever they want. And I thought I was so brilliant and also so funny. Yeah, and also more specifically, he's like, um, Cedric, one of the jokes there is that Cedric says Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders when he said, like, the other two can go wherever the hell they want. And then his Dumbledore's question was, what the hell is a Hufflepuff? Um, (laughs) And I think that's because, like, in the sort, like, the um, sorting song um, in the first year, they kind of explain the traits of the four houses, and the Hufflepuff wasn't that well-defined, I guess, compared to the rest of them, or people don't think it's as well-defined, so it's kind of, like, calling back to that. Uh, And in terms of, like, the beard, they had practically no budget. A lot of the stuff that they're wearing or the stuff they have is, like, their own clothes or stuff they had lying around. Even a lot of the props, like the giant chocolate bar that Ron is like seen eating in act two, they got it as a gift. So they had like a budget of like a chewed gum. They had no budget. (laughs) Yeah, well that explains it, right? Um, And another thing about Draco I really want to bring up is that just her obsession of rolling on the floor was so funny. You can see her or him, I don't even know anymore. But (laughs) Draco just constantly on the floor, wherever, whenever, really. 
I think he's or she, I guess, is one of my favorite characters from this musical too. Um, and that's just because it, she really makes an impression, and is just so cute and so funny all the time. Whenever like she comes on the stage, you can just expect a laugh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, she's yeah. like a Draco steals the show every single time. And um, so the interview podcast I heard, it's Potterless. And uh, she was on one of the episodes along with the actor who plays Quirrell and uh, one of the creative directors, I believe. And she says, I think that this is not something that was written in the character, like as a character. I think this is something that she came up with on the spot as well. Um, And it's so ingenious because I think it defines Draco so well. (laughs) Like the, the type of physical comedy that is employed for this character is like amazing. And I think it's like so funny how it gravels on the floor and just like acts like a complete child and it's obviously a pivotal part of the character right yeah totally totally but there is one thing that i didn't really like as much is when they introduced um cho chang they said something like konnichiwa and like they bow using like a thai thing and i'm like dude get it right and they also have a white person like playing it so um i mean i might be oversensitive about this kind of stuff but but i'm just like the konnichiwa part was like totally not necessary but that's okay totally so um the actress who played Cho Chang, uh, Devin Little, she was on BuzzFeed, so um, I was really excited to see her on BuzzFeed when she was there. And when she quit BuzzFeed, she made a video about um, a very Potter musical, and she actually apologized for taking space um, meant for like an Asian character, even though they tried to like do a subversive joke. Or, again, I don't want to explain this because it's not really my place, but I think the the logic behind it was. Um, J.K. Rowling is treating, like, Asian characters so um, carelessly that she just, like, named somebody two last names. Um, And she doesn't have a lot of, like, personality. She has a lot of, like, stereotypical stuff. So, like, the fact that she's in Ravenclaw and being very smart and the fact that she's very emotional. um, So, like, kind of submissive. So there was, I think, like, the logic behind was to critique that. And that's why they, like, made Lavender Brown Asian and they made her um, white uh, but obviously, like, she still apologized. She's like, it's it's still not right of me to take um, an Asian-Americans or um, an Asian character when I'm not Asian. So she did address it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not the actor's fault. I don't think I ever blame the, the actor or the actress for something like that. But it's just, you know, like, overall, that's not the part that I enjoy the most. Yeah. And I just thought that it's worth mentioning. But it's okay. I think I, I just get like very um, attentive or like sensitive in terms of this kind of stuff. But it's nice totally. of her to actually uh, like at least address it. So that's nice. And I didn't know that she was on BuzzFeed. So thanks yeah. to Becky. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you watch BuzzFeed? Uh, not a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't watch it anymore, but I used to watch it like maybe a few years ago. And that's when she was on it too. I see. Um. I forgot what was the name of the, like, thing she was very, like, integrated in, but, um, I don't know, maybe we can write it and show yeah, notes. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so now we're done with the top half of this, because there is a lot, like, there are a lot of songs, but there is also a lot of dialogue and, like, exposition in between songs, so it's going to be very exposition and, like, talking heavy. Um, so we're done with, like, the students' part. Now let's get to the Quirrell Voldemort part, which is what the song is about. Um, any thoughts about that? So I actually thought it was so cute. 
Right? I, I didn't know that this couple was a thing. I didn't know that it was a thing in fan fiction or at least some sort of um this type of creation. And it's just so cute. And honestly, it addresses the question that I guess people would naturally have when they know there is somebody who's living on somebody else's backhead. That sort of question is the type of questions that you think about in your head, but you don't really ask out loud in a way, yeah. right? But I think what this musical is doing brilliantly is that they address it. So, for example, like Voldemort would be like, oh, yeah, don't be shy. I like I watch you wipe your butt every day or something. And I'm like, that's right. Right. Because like he will be able to see. But that's something that you wouldn't necessarily think of when you're watching mm -hmm. a movie or reading a book. So that's just that's just really awkward, but also kind of true, too. Exactly. And um, in, in overall, I really think the both the actors who play Voldemort and Quirrell, like, they did such a good job. Like, they make this couple or, like, this pair, this duo, looks so fun, but at the same time, like, very interesting, too. So it's not just funny, just purely just for laugh, but mm -hmm. even the personality of how the two of them match together, it's very interesting. And that sort of chemistry, <laughs> chemistry is something that you don't see from the movie. At least I didn't get that from the movie at all. So um, for me, it was a very delight surprise. Absolutely. And I think so Draco and uh, Quirrell Voldemort relationship is my favorite aspect of the show. And it's just like it so cute. It's so cute to see. And you obviously don't picture Voldemort like that, um, neither in the books nor in the movie. And like reading the books God knows how many times uh, and watching the first movie as well, I never got that kind of dynamic. So the fact that they like managed to get that out of nowhere is and make it work as well. Um, it's amazing to me. And I really, really enjoyed their dynamic. Um, so the actor who plays Voldemort, I believe, is Joe Walker. And Quirrell is uh, Brian Rosenthal. And Joe Walker is in a lot of production for Starkid, like a lot of them. And he does a really good job every single time. And I've seen Brian Rosenthal in less productions, I think. But uh, I enjoyed him every time he was there as well. Um, and I think it's really, really cute. I really enjoyed the song. I think it's like perfectly capturing their dynamic in the song uh, specifically. And it also is pretty catchy. Um, it's really nice to see like, oh, who do I relate to between the two of them more? Is it like, do yeah. I want Snake Universe? Do I want Flowers Universe and Jane Austen novels? Who am I in this? Um, so I feel like it's really, really fun to like, just listen to it and I also enjoyed the vocals um especially from uh Quirrell uh for this song um all right so moving on um so after like Voldemort and Quirrell are done making their evil plans we cut to Harry and Hermione chilling in the common room while Harry is playing his guitar so um fans of the series would know that Harry is really into Quidditch and at least in this particular... Um, Do you want to explain what Quidditch is real quick for those yes. who don't know? Yes. So Quidditch is like a, a wizarding sports game. Um, it's akin to football, I guess. And by football, I mean like European football. But it's taking place on brooms. So it's a sports game that is played in the sky let's put it that way I'm not going to go into the rules I don't think it's necessary um and he's kind of like a, a big star so 
at least in this musical, it's not the same as like uh, later on in the sequels, but um, they kind of substitute his ability to play Quidditch with his ability to play with a guitar, uh, which I think is really clever because I think it's less exciting or like it might really stretch your suspension of disbelief to like have brooms or whatever um, and like looking as if you're playing in the sky compared to like somebody playing with a guitar. So I thought it was a really clever change. So yeah, as he was playing with his guitar, Jeannie walks in and Harry asks her to come and listen to his song. He wrote it to the girl he likes and he wants to test it with Jeannie's name just to get her opinion on the song. So Jeannie says that the song is amazing and Harry says great because it's for Cho Chang, the girl he likes. But Jeannie also has feelings for Harry, so she's actually very disheartened to hear this. What do you think of Jeannie's song? I don't actually feel too much about it. Like, no. <laughs> musically, it's pretty plain, in my opinion. It's just, like, a guitar and some random singing. I mean, it's funny because even though that Harry told Ginny, is like, yeah, only use your name because, you know, kind of, like, as a substitute for now. But everything rhymes with Ginny. Mm-hmm. And, but in the end, Harry's like, nah, it's not going to work. Even though that <laughs> everything technically rhymes perfectly, but he was like, nah, it's, it's not going to work. So that's the joke of it, I take yeah. it. But other than that, musically, it's not much to me. And I know that it comes from like a student production and they didn't really have an extensive budget. But what I find interesting is that they put songs in really random moments Mm. that wouldn't, in my opinion, wouldn't necessarily require a song to, to express the emotion almost. I think like some of the songs really emphasize the more um, parody aspect of the musical or like the fact that it's more like for fun. Um, and some aspects are taken a lot more seriously in terms of the songs and are kind of split in half. And this is obviously one of the one like one of the songs that are more like parody. And I like it. I think it's like very entertaining. It's funny as a parody song, not obviously as a serious song. I like that they mentioned Winnipeg. I felt represented, even though we don't live in Winnipeg, but that's okay. <laughs> it's like nowhere close to where we live. We're nowhere near Winnipeg, but they mentioned Canada, and I just feel a Canadian pride. So Becky, you gotta have your standards high. <laughs> if they don't mention Toronto specifically, it doesn't count. <laughs> Or at least Ontario. Will we accept Ontario? I don't even think people know this province is called Ontario, but I could be wrong. You know, I have seen, like, videos on YouTube of, like, people asking Americans questions about Canada. And Seriously? Some, yeah, you haven't seen any of these? No. I don't know if they said just for, like, the joke of it, but some of them literally said we live in, like, igloos and oh, white polar bears. Um... So yeah, I, I'm really hoping that these were jokes by these people and they just like have really, really good humor where they have like complete deadpan um, and they don't show the fact they're internally laughing. But uh, some some things that people think about Canada are quite interesting. Um, and in terms of the song, I also like the fact that this is like not a throwaway song as a joke because they have a call back to it, which I think is quite effective. Uh, so so it's it's meaningful to the plot. So it's meaningful because it shows us, I guess, that Ginny really, really likes Harry and that Harry really likes Cho. So it kind of like gives us that conflict over there. And they're really good with showing us the love conflicts. Later on, we'll see the same conflict between um, Draco and Ron over Hermione. So I think it illustrates it really well. It has a purpose in the plot. It's just not a very serious song, but it's so entertaining. 
And in terms of the next song, which you do have opinions on, I guess, that's Harry. So um, Ron shows up and tells Harry that he saw delivery wizards carrying giant cages into the dungeon. And Hermione figures out it's related to the first task of the tournament and urges them to take a look and see what's in the cages. And um, since it's after hours, they have to sneak out. And Hermione suggests sneaking out using the Cloak of Invisibility. And as the name suggests, it's a cloak that makes them invisible. Um, so it's only big enough to cover like two of them really, but um, Ron tells Hermione to tag along. So he's gonna cover him, Hermione and Harry. And that means they're leaving Ginny behind. And that's when she sings about her love for Harry in the song, Harry. I think her vocal is really good here. Um, to be honest, I didn't really have a strong impression of Ginny in the movie before. I know that she's <laughs> the love interest of Harry, but I was like, nah, she's like not too important. I watched the second movie and she was like rescued by by Harry like quite early on in the story, I guess. But I still didn't think too, too much about it. I don't know if this is right. So you have to correct me if I'm wrong. But it seems to me that there was very little interaction between Ginny and Harry. So I always didn't really understand why the two of them kind of end up together. And mm-hmm. I'm just as confused about this couple ending as I am about like Ron and Hermione, to be honest. Oh. So that's just something that is always kind of just kind of, I guess, at the back of my mind going like, how did they even end up together? But I guess it just happened. So, Were you one of those people who thought that Harry and Hermione would end up together? That's that's the vibe I got from the first couple of movies, but mm-hmm. that's only the first couple of movies. And I'm on like maybe the fourth one. So there's like a second half of the whole series, right? Maybe things change in those four movies left. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I think this musical did a really good job about bringing her forward in making her more visible mm-hmm. um and she's really cute in the musical here so that's a plus yes for sure um so yeah I think the movies show it in a very different way than the book so they still don't have a lot of love interactions in the book so they have more than what they have in the movies and um the actors like Daniel Radcliffe and I think her name is Bonnie something who plays Ginny they don't have much chemistry in my opinion so I never really bought their (laughs) romance and uh for Ron and Hermione like it's highly suggested from the fourth book like from fourth book they're laying it very thick that they're kind of going to be endgame I think so yeah the, the movies don't necessarily do a good job but from what I've heard like towards the end of the series Harry and Hermione as characters make a lot more sense together compared to, like, the books, where they are very, like, much siblings. But what do you think, though? So I actually really like um, Hermione and Ron together, so that's that's something that I liked from the book. Um, I didn't mind Harry and Ginny, but I kind of liked Harry and Draco together, to be honest. Um, oh, okay, you're one of those. Okay. Yeah. 
um, I just thought they have a lot more chemistry, that's why. But um, in terms of, like, something that could realistically be in the book, I think Harry and Ginny also make a lot of sense. They seem to be on very similar wavelengths. They have very similar interests. So, for example, as I mentioned, Harry is very into Quidditch, um, and Ginny becomes a professional Quidditch player later on in her life. Um, and she's, like, connected to the Weasley family, whom Harry is kind of, like, an adopted child almost. So she has a lot of, like, attributes that I think make sense for her to end up with Harry. Um, and with Hermione and Ron, I don't know. I just really like the fact that, like, she wouldn't end up with Harry personally. Like, I didn't like the idea of the girl always, like, ending up with the main character, like, the main guy character. And I thought that Ron was very sweet and, like, had a very good heart. Um, and also, I completely sympathize with the fact that they both seem to really like arguing. And Harry never understood that. And that's something that can be really, really important, I think, in a relationship. If you don't like arguing, like one person likes arguing and the other one doesn't, um, that could be like really messy. And they both seem to be coping with things and like complimenting each other really well. So I don't know. I really like Ron and Hermione, I think. And in terms of the song, I think they did a really, really good job with Ginny um, and showing her interest in Harry. And like the song itself is is a very strong song. It's like it's a it's a ballad you can belt out, I think. And um, the actress does a really, really good job. And it's also like she gives kind of like an awkward vibe to it when she's dancing with the guitar because Harry leaves the guitar um, when he's going and obviously that's something that is supposed to represent him. And she's kind of like dancing with a guitar as if she's dancing with Harry. Um, and I thought it was like really sweet, very childish in a way. I don't know. I like that moment. All right. So from that, we cut to Quirrell and Voldemort, who are assessing the progression of their evil plan. So um, Voldemort suggests celebrating by going out for a karaoke. And Quirrell is like kind of unsure at first, but Voldemort convinces him and they exit. And then we cut back to Harry, Ron, and Hermione under the invisibility cloak on their way to the dungeon. And uh, they ran into Crab, Goyle, and, Mal- and Malfoy, who are talking about who they think the ugliest girl in school is. A very hurtful topic, I think, but okay. Um, so Malfoy says Hermione, but then he gives her like a score of 9.8 out of 10, <laughs> uh, with 10 being the prettiest, by the way. So obviously we can understand that he likes Hermione. Um, and then they leave. Harry, Ron, and Hermione continue to um, the dungeon, and they overhear Snape and Dumbledore who are there, and they're discussing the first task. So they found out that in the first task, Harry will be fighting a dragon. Um, And Harry is really distressed hearing this, um, but Hermione says she'll come up with a plan. So we cut back to Quirrell and Voldemort, who are back completely drunk and recount how much fun they had. So we find out that Voldemort never had this much fun before, and... um, thinks it's kind of nice to just talk to someone and be able to open up. And I thought, so cute. But uh, Quirrell agrees it's nice to have a friend. And Voldemort says he never had a friend before, but now he has Quirrell. And they reprise different as can be. Right? So what did you think? Uh, That was so cute. Seriously, it was so cute. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so two parts that stood out the most for me. during, I guess, these scenes is first when Draco rated Hermione and 
9.8 out of 10. That looks so cute. I didn't know it was a thing, to be honest. Oh, okay. it's a big, big thing. Like, I think yeah. Draco's popular pairing is either with Hermione or Harry. Um, So I think... So one of the things they took out, you said you just mo- watched the third movie, right? Um, so yeah. one of the things they took out was her punching Draco. Um, and they kind of got that in the scene where she like curses Crab and Goyle and then she threatens Malfoy. And that's supposed to be kind of an equivalent. And a lot of people use this as an inciting moment for the Draco Hermione ship. So I think that's specifically why they include that, even though they include very little from the third book in this in this uh, musical. But yeah, it's very, very, very popular. Yeah, it's, it's so cute. Um, and obviously, I wasn't made aware of this sort of couple or this sort of pairing before. Did you view the punching scene differently? Because you watched the, movie, the musical before you rewatched the third movie, right? Yeah, to be really honest, I did not. Okay. <laughs> Just curious. But that's just me. Um, oh. And in terms of, of Voldemort and Quirrell, like, oh my god. Like, come on. I didn't know Voldemort can be so cute yes. and so so adorable. And and the, the actor is really doing a good job, too, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, there's just so much more chemistry there. I mean, not saying that there should be any in the movies, but this musical definitely convinced me. Yeah, obviously, that. like, it's I don't so think... Cute. I'm curious if anybody had, like, any thoughts about shippy things with Voldemort, because I definitely didn't. Um, I mean, I'm sure it existed, but I wonder how mainstream it was. And I'm guessing if it was mainstream, it would probably be with Bellatrix. But I wonder how many more, like, shippy things happened with Quirrell after the musical, and how popular it became. If if somebody has insight, let us know. Uh, but yeah, they're adorable here. They're just like the classic rom-coms, which they reference. So like, uh, they're going to see a movie called She's All That, and they reference it like throughout the musical as kind of like an allegory to their relationship. And it's very, very cute. So I, I think they remind me of very like classic 2000 romance trope. And I really mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> And, of course, the song is still very entertaining, very fun, and I really, really enjoyed seeing the dynamics that they have with, like, going into Voldemort's past and, like, getting Quirrell to, like, do some fun things that are a little bit out of his comfort zone. So I think, like, they're good for each other, you know? Going from that, so it's the day of the first task and the champions gather at the champion tent so dumbledore enters next and he announces that they'll be fighting a dragon which of course we knew harry knew but maybe the rest of the contestants didn't know and dumbledore will be randomly selecting a dragon for them to compete against so um everybody gets some kind of really cute imaginary dragon except for harry who gets to fight like a very scary dragon <laughs> So yeah, Harry fights the dragon by singing the dragon song and ends up winning by getting the dragon to fall asleep. So that's another instance that I think like the guitar is supposed to be analogous to Quidditch because in the book and the movie, um, Harry summons like his broom and he kind of does like an elaborate flying thing to like get the dragon egg, which is the what they what happened in the book. So that's that's another instance where like the broomstick is actually a guitar. Um, and I think that it's really nice that they're, like, kind of making it more elaborate and twisting the lore to fit the narrative they put in there. I think it can be a really good lullaby. Like, if you have a tiny baby that you need to, like, get to sleep, I think if you will sing this to them, it will soothe them. 
And they will actually fall asleep. (laughs) It feels like a lullaby. So that's a good job. Obviously, I don't really have too strong feelings about it because it's it's one of the jokier songs, like the less serious ones. Mm -hmm. Um, I obviously enjoyed Darren Chris's performance, but it's kind of like low-key compared to the rest of the songs I think. I did enjoy that so uh, the dragon that they had on stage was like a puppet kind of and it was powered by two people and uh, they kind of interacted with the song so they sang along with Harry um, and I thought it was really cute. Now um, so after the task ends Snape announces the annual Yule Ball which is going to be later that day so um, as it is a ball. They have to ask each other out to dance or to be their partner. So um, Harry kind of discusses, Ron and Harry discuss their uh, options for the school dance. Um, so they say their only two options are Ginny and Hermione. And uh, Ron says Ginny is his actual sister, which he is. And Harry is like, Hermione is my actual sister. So it's like, oh, we actually have nobody to go to because they couldn't think that just cross the options like Ron will go with Hermione and Ginny will go with Harry. Um, So they decide to go alone. And then we cut to Quirrell entering the hole with a punch ladle, which is also a port key. So a port key is a device that will transport a person from one location to another. And they plan on uh, putting the port key ladle in um, punch and they're going to put squirts in the punch. So only Harry likes squirts, and that will prevent anybody else from using the port key, except for Harry. Um, so they talk about planning a day together after Voldemort's get his body back. And um, apart from that, Snape comes before Quirrell leaves, fully aware of Voldemort's plan somehow. And um, then we cut to the bowl. Ron is telling Harry that he heard Hermione and the girl is in the girl washroom, devastated that no one asked her out. And Draco butts into the conversation since he heard that they were talking about Hermione. And um, Ron and Draco accuse each other of having a crush on her. And then she enters to the ball looking absolutely beautiful. And then um, Ron and Draco sing Granger Danger as they each realize they like Hermione. This could I like the song um, and I how like the when the spotlight goes to Draco and he was like oh my god what is this what do you expect me to sing something like it's almost like breaking the fourth wall and that they was that sort of funny yeah um, so I enjoyed that a lot I read it somewhere that the song was written in about just two hours so that's crazy how catchy it is mm-hmm. but the music is in my opinion better than the other numbers Mm -hmm. and it's just one of the songs that is more catchy compared to like I don't know songs like the Cho song or like the (laughs) Genie song but okay that's just my opinion again oh no no that's that's completely fair another actually thing 
nice thing about the song. So this is the reason the entire musical exists, actually. So like you, the creators were um, in the Draco is totally crushing on Hermione camp and they they like them, I guess. Um, so they wrote this song and kind of like built everything else in the musical around it. So without this song, there wouldn't be a musical. Very important song. Um, it's not my favorite song, as I mentioned, my favorite song is going back to Hogwarts, but it's a pretty good song, it's a very substantial song, it communicates the aspects of the plot very well, and it's character building to both Draco and Ron, so it has a really good narrative purpose, and it's also comedic and serious at the same time, which is, I think, a very difficult line to toe, but they do it really well. And I'm kind of bummed out that they didn't give Lauren Lopez more songs, because I think she's a good singer. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Um, all right. So from that, we cut to Ron seeing Hermione dancing with other guys and he's getting jealous um, and he drowns his sorrows by getting drunk and acting like a jerk. And um, Harry figures out that Ron likes Hermione and hypes him up to ask her to dance. And as he hypes Ron up, Harry realizes he likes Jenny out of the blue and asks her to dance with him instead. So um, at the same time, kind of like Ron comes in and disrupts Hermione and Neville's dance and he's doing it really rudely and aggressively. And um, as a result, she gets angry at both Ron and Malfoy, who tries to like butt in. So she just like along the way gets really mad at him, too. And Ginny and Harry make out and um, Harry stops immediately because Ginny's Ron's sister and he doesn't want any kind of bad blood between them. So Ginny runs out crying and to compensate for like the bad feelings he has towards this, Harry takes Cho mid-dance from Cedric um, and that also doesn't go well. So you can see kind of like parallels. Ron tries to like get Hermione mid-dance and Harry tries to get Cho mid-dance and neither go well at all. So... Things get heated between Harry and Cedric, and Harry challenges Cedric to a duel and kind of to try to prevent a duel. Cho tries to distract them by saying she's thirsty. So um, they fight over who will get her something to drink, and in this case, it's a punch. Cedric punches Harry, and in retaliation, Harry grubs the punch ladle and hits Cedric, and that activates the port key, sending them both to the graveyard, which is the secondary location the port key is going to take them to. So um, at the graveyard, Voldemort kills Cedric and uses Harry to resurrect his body. And um, Voldemort's new body includes tap shoes. And he recounts how, as a young orphan boy, he loved to dance, but everyone made fun of him. And now that he has a body, he's happy that he can dance again. So Bellatrix Lestrange, who is one of his most loyal minions, and it was previously kind of like, suggested or said that she and um, Voldemort had a thing together. She shows up and she reveals the plan was to blame Harry's death on Quirrell to keep Voldemort's return a secret. And Quirrell obviously is like really distraught. He's asking Voldemort what's going on and what is this about? And Voldemort saves face by saying Quirrell meant nothing to him. Quirrell gets really upset at Voldemort um, and Voldemort kind of tries to placate him, but ultimately says his goal is taking over the world and it's more important. Quirrell is then escorted to the prison and in all the melodrama, Harry left with Cedric's body um, and he's getting back to Hogwarts and lets everybody know that Voldemort is back. So what did he think about To Dance Again? 
such a sad scene. I like know. when Girl and Voldemort kind of broke apart. And especially just before this, they made a promise to each other that they would go to a movie date almost to watch Roller a movie together. Yeah, and that's because um, <laughs> with Voldemort living at the back of uh, Crow's head, they can only watch like half of the movie. So they watch a movie together before, but they can only watch either the beginning or the ending. So they're like, yeah, once you get your body back, let's go watch a movie or something. And I thought it was so cute. And um, But in this song, like, that obviously was not going to happen. And I thought it was really funny because this, what's her name? Like, Bella? Bella, Bella Tricks? Yeah, she was, like, telling Curl about their evil plan of trying to frame him for the murder and whatever. Mm-hmm. And and Curl's is like, are you serious? And he got attacked or something. Mm-hmm. And Voldemort is, like, walking over to ask, are you okay? And that yeah. was just so cute. Um, So, really, that's that's the highlight of the song for me. But yeah. it, it, it's not even in the song, to be honest. But it's that not. was the highlight of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. The, the back- it's like, it's okay. <laughs> I don't find myself enjoying the song too, too much. Like, not saying that they're bad or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, considering the, the budget and the fact that it's a parody, is a student production, like, it's already very well made. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so big, right? And so popular among the Harry Potter fan base. But just for me personally, music's still a very important part of a musical. And... That to say, I wouldn't necessarily go to YouTube and be like, I'm craving the song and I really want to listen to it over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, but that just might take. And I think like music, when it comes to music, everybody has their own preference. So it could work for you, even though it didn't work for me as much. That being said, it's not completely horrible too. It's just a song that I'll listen to, kind of like Avenue Q. When a lot of the songs, like, I'll listen to it, and I might even enjoy it when I watch it, but it's just not the type of songs that I would go back to listen to after um, watching the musical. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy the song. I enjoy the, like, aspect of combining the singing and the dancing for once. Um, and I think, like, tap dance is, is a nice avenue to put it, especially since, like, he makes... Um, the entire crew to dance and he um kind of like makes harry dance at one point and i think it's really really like nice and fun the way he does it because it the acting that darren chris does uh while he's kind of like um obligated to dance is very convincing i think and obviously like um i don't think like voldemort is necessarily the best singer out of the crew um and he does improve in later productions but uh the acting throughout this more than compensates for it the costuming even with the zero budget they have is very iconic for him um so all the other aspects really make up for it for me at least and i think it's very entertaining the little like dance like was it it like two line duet that he had with curl when he says like i finally get to dance with you i thought was really really cute a good moment for them um Yeah, and I like how, like, they started it really slow with, like, Voldemort alone, then Voldemort and Quirrell, and then, like, the entirety of the Death Eaters and Voldemort and Quirrell. So I thought it was really, really nice in that aspect. And when you were thinking about the jokey songs they have, this is the higher tier of the jokiness 
in terms of like the songs. Like I think this could be a fully realized song too, uh, but it's not like a fully realized song that has a lot of gravitas and is going to be taken really seriously. It's just like a very fun, lighthearted one. Um, and with that, we finish Act One. So Act Two. In the beginning, we get to see kind of like how the wizard world um, reacts to Voldemort's return. And uh, we find out that Quirrell does confess to the murder of Cedric and gets a life sentence. Ron is, meanwhile, really, really depressed after the scene with Hermione at the bowl. And he tries talking to Harry about it, hoping he'll be a good friend. Um, And Harry obviously only wants to talk about Harry. Ron gets mad and leaves. And um, then Hermione walks in and immediately she starts complaining about Ron and Harry again tries talking about Harry. Hermione isn't interested, she isn't having it, and she tells him off. So after that, Draco enters to make fun of Harry and um, the rest of the students are done with Draco specifically. Um, So like they make fun of him, they pence him in the scene and Snape enters and asks Draco to come with him to his office. So we cut to Dumbledore entering in disguise. And if you mentioned the beard before, this is a whole other level for the beard. Um, Spoiler alert, the beard is his disguise. Um, And he asks Harry to come with him to the office, but not to tell anyone, because from now on, he can only trust himself and Snape. And Harry lets Dumbledore know that Snape was actually at the graveyard with him the night of Voldemort's return, so he can't actually be trusted, but uh, Dumbledore doesn't believe him. So um, we cut to Snape saying all hail Voldemort and reaffirming that he was a double agent for Voldemort who infiltrated Hogwarts to gain Dumbledore's trust. Um, And Voldemort is really occupied by Bellatrix, who is recounting an evil plan that they have. But he is very, very depressed about Quirrell and not really listening to her. So Snape informs Voldemort that he knows how he can infiltrate Hogwarts, which is something Voldemort really needed to know in order to attack and gain control over the wizarding world. But Snape made an unbreakable vow to not let anyone know how to infiltrate Hogwarts. So instead, he brought Draco to give that info. So um, Draco negotiates that if he tells Voldemort how to get in, he wants a rocket ship that can take him to Mars aka to Pickforts, and um, sings the song Pickforts. Um, Voldemort agrees on the condition that Dumbledore must die, and then they make an unbreakable vow. So um, at the same time that Death Eaters will come to um, Hogwarts, they will also infiltrate the Ministry of Magic and take control over there as well. So they will take control over the main hubs of the wizarding world, which gives them an advantage. So what did you think of Pickforts? Speaking of non-existent songs... (laughs) I know, right? <laughs> I thought it was really funny. And they actually made a song about it, like, about time, yo. Because <laughs> literally, like, the only thing... Okay, maybe the only three things Draco had been saying throughout the entire musicals is, like, Pickford's Hermione, and just rolling on the ground. So that's that's pretty much it. Um, So I thought it was really hilarious. And apparently, I don't know if you noticed, but... When they were making the the vow, at the very end, Draco added one line and be like, oh, yeah. "You have to do whatever I say for one day." Mm-hmm. And I think I think I I'm not sure where I read it, but I think I read it somewhere saying that the actress actually just made that up on the stage. That's oh why God. you can see that Motivon was being very surprised because it was totally not written in the script. <laughs> that's but amazing. I'm not sure if that's real or not. 
I'm not sure either. I definitely caught the line. Uh, but if so, it's like really good improvisation because he's like, oh my God, you got me. This is the second time something like that happened to me. Yeah. So like coming up with the fact that this is the second time something like that happened to you, that's very suspicious. And I really want to know the backstory for that. Exactly. Um, I wonder what went on in his mind. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the song honestly is a non-song. Like um, Draco starts singing, pick forts, pick forts, here I come with the pick forts, pick forts, yum, yum, yum. And that's it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah they cut him off there, <laughs> which is probably a good idea. I don't know how many more of the silly songs you'll survive. So they're like, okay, we're, we're cutting off our losses here. The pick forts <laughs> song is done. Oh, I think the something I didn't mention maybe is like when... Harry asks why should he trust Snape and then like um, because Snape was there and Snape is clearly evil Dumbledore is like because I love him and I think that's because like J.K. Rowling came out with an article around that time saying Dumbledore was gay so that's why they added it in and throughout the entire musical yeah throughout the entire musical you get to see like Dumbledore flirting with Snape so that's true yeah exactly so I think I don't remember exactly when it came out, but I think the article came out came out either like around that time or maybe like a couple of years before that. The pensing scene, I'm not sure if you noticed, but Draco was wearing a diaper. Right. And that yeah, be- I saw that. Yes, that becomes a really big plot point in the sequel, actually. So there there are a lot of things that are kind of like carelessly taken here, or like something that has not carelessly, but something that doesn't get a lot of like importance in this musical very small moments that they blow up completely in the sequel and I think like something throwaway like this that they managed to make into a whole character arc is really really funny so if we ever cover the the sequel we will definitely touch on that um so I think that's that's that in terms of the the song so um, then we cut to Harry, Ron, and Hermione going to Dumbledore's office. Dumbledore says that in order to defeat Voldemort, they have to know about Horcruxes, which is when a wizard takes a piece of their soul and puts it in another object or being. If they do that, they don't actually ever truly die because it can, like the object or even the being that you put it in, can outlive your original body. Mm-hmm. And Voldemort had six horcruxes and Dumbledore already destroyed five. So Harry, Ron, and Hermione have to find the last horcrux using a horcrux seeking medallion they got from Dumbledore and destroyed using the sword of Gryffindor. So um, when they're discussing this, there is a knock on the door as the Death Eaters are coming to kill Dumbledore. And um, Draco reveals that he betrayed him and he is going to kill him. Uh, However, he can't actually do it. So Snape enters and kills Dumbledore instead. Harry's freaking out, meanwhile, and he says he has to deal with the whole Horcrux ordeal by himself to not put them in danger. And uh, meanwhile, Voldemort kills the Minister of Magic and takes over. Beltrix is by his side and wants to, like, sleep with him, I guess. But Voldemort is thinking about Quirrell again, and she's <laughs> really, really angry. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. It was. It's so inappropriate. It was really inappropriate. I felt a bit uncomfortable seeing it, but it was like still very funny. It was the, probably the only inappropriate part in the um, in the musical, or like the main in, inappropriate part in the musical. But I've seen some deleted scenes, and they had more stuff that they cut out. Anyway, <laughs> we cut to Harry singing about his relationship with Dumbledore um, as his kind of like parental figure in Missing You. And in Missing You is actually a duet with Quirrell, of all people. Um, and Quirrell sings about his relationship with Voldemort. 
What did you think? I'm so sad. <laughs> Actually, this is one of the songs that I enjoy more yes. of, I think. And the one thing that really is distracting for me is this random size of Voldemort in the background. It just, I don't know. Have you noticed? No. <laughs> it's just, if you listen to the recording version of this, you just, you just hear him like just sighing in the background. It's so distracting, yet so funny. So <laughs> I think this is the the golden moment for me, at least. It was the funny take of the song. But other than that, like the song is supposed to be, I think, more of a sentimental side of things. I don't know. Even though the musical is supposed to be funny, mm-hmm. I still appreciate how they make it a very emotional song in a way because that relationship between Dumbledore and Harry, even though that they make fun of it a lot of times in the musical, saying that we're really tight or things like that. But from the movie, like, you can definitely see that Dumbledore is more like the parent that Harry didn't have, Mm -hmm. right? And losing him was a big setback for him. So I appreciate that they also make songs or like at least create these sort of moments that is more sentimental and emotional in a way because that sort of take us back from the fact that this show is funny and then to be able to enjoy um the more serious side of of this. So I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I, I really like it. It was a toss up it for me, for my favorite song between this one and going back to Hogwarts. And just because going back to Hogwarts has a lot more, like, sentimental feelings for me. Like, I used to sing it with my friends all the time. Um, I chose that one. But it was a very tough decision between these two because this song is gorgeous. I think it's definitely, like, the emotional center of the musical, even though it was supposed to be um, Granger Danger that started it all. For me, this is, like, the important moment of the musical. And also, these are really good singers. They sing really, really well together, and they sound beautiful. Um, So I really, really like that aspect as well. And it is really important to show the aspect, I think, of Dumbledore being more of a parental figure to Harry, because it was a big aspect in the book, in my opinion. So I really like that we got kind of like a moment to grieve Dumbledore's quote-unquote death and to see the effect that it has on Harry because up until now Harry was kind of a very one-dimensional character he was kind of like a general popular jock douchebag and this gives him a lot of humanity that makes him a lot more likable in my opinion yeah it's it's a beautiful song wow did we get to your favorite song by the way not yet about to Ooh. oh okay 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 so let's go to that I'm guessing it's tonight. <laughs> so um, Ginny barges in to warn Harry about the Death Eaters and gives him like a pep talk, letting him know that he isn't alone. And then uh, they start singing and in the middle of the song, Ron and Hermione come um, and then they all sing together. You're here with me 
Yeah, so my favorite song, Tara. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, really nice. And if they had this kind of moment for Jeannie and Harry in the movie, then I think it would have made much more sense about them ending up together and getting married in the end. Mm. Maybe, okay, again, maybe I missed it somewhere in the movie. Maybe it was mentioned or it was shown, but I just didn't get that. Or maybe in the books, there was like pretty neat um, development, but I just didn't follow it. So Mm -hmm. just speaking from my experience of Harry Potter series in general, like I think this is a very nice addition. I like the fact that they kind of all get there together to sing to each other and to support each other emotionally. Um, I think that friendship is the key, right, of of in the core message of Harry Potter series, and I mm-hmm. like how they represent it here too. Um, I find it funny that Draco kind of like joins in at the very end after the song is finished and he's like yeah I was kind of like there at the door but you guys were singing so I didn't see appropriate to come in and uh, you can clearly see that he was trying to be part of it but just he wasn't I don't know I just like the fact that this song shows that Harry's not alone and obviously I didn't like Harry's character as much in the Mm -hmm. musical compared to in the movie just because he's more shallow and stuff but just because this song comes right after the Missing You song, like mm-hmm. it really works really well together. So because just before this, you get to see that kind of like the weak side of Harry. And then right after you get somebody or more than just one person coming in to support him. So I think that's a very nice transition. Totally. You get to see why he needs his friend. So as you yeah. said, like a big theme in Harry Potter and like the thing that distinguishes Harry from all the other, you know, heroes or people that were very good at magic and very courageous that Voldemort killed is his relationship with his friends. And mm-hmm. in here, you get to see that kind of special relationship and bond that he has with his friends. The fact that when he is down, he can count on them to prop him up and they can count on each other as friends uh musically i really appreciated a song i really liked the harmonizing they had in the end it was really really pretty i think and draco did mention like oh you guys had some kind of like four-way harmony over there um so i think not only is it musically very nice it's also like a very good emotional moment in the musical um and it sounds like it's it's like something that carries on from the book a big theme that carries on in the book that i think you mentioned before with like not having something that is focused on harry ron and hermione um specifically if they didn't have this kind of song in there it would have been even worse so i appreciate that they do have it all right so from that um we see that they're all looking for the horcrux in harry's wonders how ron hermione and Ginny got to him without being seen by the Death Eaters, and that's when Draco comes in. So um, Ginny admits that she had help from him, and uh, Draco really wants to redeem himself now. Mm-hmm. So um, after this, they decide to split up. So Ron, Harry, and Draco go to Dumbledore's office to look for the Horcrux, while Ginny and Hermione go get back up from the Order of the Phoenix, who are some kind of like a older wizard, or like adults at the very least, um, underground like group that battles Voldemort and Death Eaters. And before they leave, Ron confesses to Hermione his love for her, and they make out very grossly, by the way. It's supposed to be very, like, yeah, it's supposed to be a very disgusting moment there. Um, And they reference back to it, like, later on as well. So Harry, Ron, and Draco find the Horcrux in Dumbledore's office, and Ron destroys it. And Hermione and Ginny actually get captured by the Death Eaters. 
So they march them to Dumbledore's office to be with Harry, Ron, and Draco, and um, they threaten to kill Hermione and Ginny if Harry doesn't surrender. So Harry does surrender, but Snape barges in to help free Ginny and Hermione, and Bellatrix fatally wounds him as a result, and um, tries to bring Harry to Voldemort still, but before she can finally do that, Ron and Ginny's mom comes in and kills Bellatrix as kind of like a deus ex machina, I think. That was so yeah. random. But it okay. was really random, for sure. It was like out of nowhere. I think it's just because the line is so I- iconic, they couldn't leave it out. <laughs> or yeah. they didn't want to leave it out. out. I'm not sure. But yeah, before Snape dies, he lets Harry know that there is another Horcrux, that Horcrux is Harry, and Harry must die to kill Voldemort. Um, So then we cut to Voldemort, who makes a public announcement threatening to kill everybody unless Harry comes to face him by himself. So Harry goes to Voldemort and he dies. And then we cut to Harry and Dumbledore. So Harry is in kind of like purgatory between life and death. And Dumbledore tells him to go back to Earth and defeat Voldemort as a mortal man. And as Harry leaves to return to the land of the living, Rumblevore, who, as we know, of course, is the headmaster at Pigfarts, enters and takes Dumbledore to Pigfarts with him. So then we cut to Voldemort, publicly announcing Harry's death as Ron tries to kind of like galvanize the rest of the students to fight the Death Eaters and Voldemort. And then Harry shows up mid-song. We must unite so we can fight. So what did you think of Voldemort's going down? I think it's a um, pretty good song. Like, I find the music in this musical not too, too spectacular, but, like, this song is pretty nice. Obviously, it also has, like, one of the funniest lines, I think, in, in, in the entire musical, which is when Ron be like, we must fight in getting all emotional and stuff and Draco would be like but I'm tired can we just be death eaters yeah and I thought it was so adorable so that was really funny (laughs) um yeah I mean I think this is actually one of the songs that are supposed to be taken a bit more seriously though they do have comedic moments like in the song like when Hermione tries to like hype up Draco when she's like a sexy big strong man or whatever and then Ron belts out a super high note um I thought it was like supposed to be really funny really comedic to like shows how ridiculous it is and um I think it's like it's like a it's a good battle song because a lot of the series has so much fighting in it it would be missing if they didn't have something like that like it's it's important so it's okay I it's not like one of my favorite songs it's like one of the songs I feel more neutral about but I appreciated being there I guess mm-hmm. um all right so we're going to the last number so Harry and Voldemort have a showdown Harry obviously wins and Voldemort dies um Ginny and Harry make out Ron says he's actually cool with it Uh, Then we cut to Quirrell being released from Azkaban and uh, discovering Voldemort died. He is crushed. I know. He is super duper crushed. Um, He does like a really funny thing when he's like shown skipping stones, which is like what all the like 90s Disney ingenue boys like did. So I thought it was really funny. Uh, But Voldemort walks in there and lets him know that the reason why he's there is because um, part of him lives in Quirrell 
in his heart. So they Aww. reconcile, right? <laughs> so cute. So cute. Um, they reconcile and then everybody comes into the stage and reprise not alone and going back to Hogwarts is like as the credits scroll down. So any thoughts about the finale? No, not really. How about you? <laughs> um, no, nothing major. I mean, I think it's cute to see like the the finale of like Voldemort and Quirrell getting their happy ending, then like Harry and Ginny getting their happy ending, and uh, obviously Ron and Hermione. It's this scene where they like call back to their like gross makeout session, and they're like, "Yeah, we're not bothering with that anymore." Um, so yeah, I think it's it's really cute. It ties everything really well together. I'm glad that they ended it with like a wholesome note. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just gives a good like experience slash vibes. In the yeah. End. But then again, I can't imagine this um, parody musical ends on a heavier note. <laughs> so I almost like you expect it, right? Like oh, it yeah. has to be a happy ending. Totally. Um. Okay. Final thoughts. In general, I liked it, but it's not something that I'll go back to watch it. I think. I really like what they did with the characters, and I think that I just can't stress it enough. But really, um, I really like what they did to Snape and D to Draco and D to Voldemort. I think those are really brilliant moves, and it makes the characters more likable in a way. Um, it's very funny. It fits the tone of the musical and the and the parody, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like it makes the character very, very attractive and very charming too. So I think in that regard, I really enjoyed it. But one criticism I have for this musical is that if you're somebody who are not exactly fan of Harry Potter, such as myself, mm-hmm. it can be really hard to follow the plot. So like you said, they kind of put some plot from all seven movies or all seven books mm-hmm. into just one musicals. So there is a lot of things that's happening. And some of the jokes even, you won't necessarily get it if you're not too familiar with what was already going on in the original book or movie Mm -hmm. so that's just my take of it like I still enjoy it no matter what um but I feel like if I know the book inside out then I might even enjoy even more right um and the other point is that there's a lot more acting than singing and musically is not the best either so like I said earlier music is really means a lot to me in a musical Mm -hmm. so if the songs are not great then I can't rate it too too highly obviously I can let that pass since it's not really a Broadway production of any sort anyway and it's already very impressive with what they did with so limited budget and I guess like very little support like financially too from Mm -hmm. other places so it's already very impressive but you just have to keep in mind that this is not sort of production that you will see in a theater and then obviously the props and everything is not to that level so if you're used to something that is more Broadway West End sort of thing then this might not like this is no match to that pretty much um, so yeah, so as long as you have the right expectation, I think people will still enjoy it. All right. Um, yeah, I can totally see what you mean. I'm not really sure how I would react if, you know, I wasn't familiar with it as a teenager. So like, 
I watched it when I was like 15 or something, right? Um, to begin with. And it also informed a lot of like close friendship that I had with people uh, throughout high school. So if I didn't have that kind of context going into this, I'm not sure what my thoughts would be around it. I still think it's very entertaining. There are things that are aged like a little bit worse than I remember them. For example, like the sexual scenes, um, which weren't like necessarily too, too heavy, but were still like a bit gross. Um, and some of the like casting, I guess, with Cho Chang, for example, um, and some of the humor or like whatever. But I really appreciate it as a student production. I see like a lot of love behind it towards the series a lot of really really amazing talent from the acting from the singing for a lot of them and uh even even the stage design and the the costumes they have i feel like they definitely show some kind of careful consideration towards it even with the zero budget um so i really appreciate what they managed to accomplish just by you know sheer fandom and like uh appreciation to the source material and the fact that they're willing to go this far for this um in terms of like having a brainchild of a production amalgamating all seven books together i i find it really really impressive um the humor for me really lends the majority of the time um and also i enjoy the majority of the songs some of them obviously are a bit more ridiculous than the others and they're just like fun um to listen to but not to take too too seriously and just like I feel like you can see as a viewer that they seem to be really good friends like the chemistry between the actors I thought was really really good they seem to enjoy each other's company and it is really important to stress that this is our first foray into like non-traditional musicals so this is not traditional by every single stretch of the imagination so if you do expect to see something that is really high production and like super impressive in terms of like the costumes and the uh the the stages and like takes itself overly seriously it's definitely not going to be that um if you're not familiar with the harry potter series i'd be really curious to see if you watched it without like familiarizing yourself with the context at all and still be able to get something from it or still be able to understand something from it. I obviously can't speak to that because I am very familiar with it, but I'd be really, really curious if um, if people do do still enjoy it without being too, too familiar with Harry Potter. Um, yeah, I just, I, I like that it's such a labor of love to the series and such an homage, so I, I appreciate it. All right, let's do our final rating. Yes. Drum rolls, please. Go. Um, all right, I'll give it like a 6.5. Adam? 10. I'm trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 10 guitars. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 pick farts. Okay. Okay, interesting. Very high. For yeah. you, I imagine this is your childhood and your personal obsession of Harry Potter series speaking. <laughs> it is, it is. It's not like it's purely sentimental. While I do appreciate the, I actually really enjoy the like script for this. I think it's very clever. If you're very versed in Harry Potter, maybe hopefully if you aren't too versed in Harry Potter, let me know, Claire. I guess. Um, and I do like some of the songs quite a bit. I think honestly, like. I think you mentioned Avenue Q before. 
the songs in in Avenue Q, in my opinion, as a whole, are a lot worse than the songs in a very popular musical. And that could be because I've heard the songs here a billion times. And even though I heard the songs in Avenue Q quite a bit, I really, really like this one. It is mainly fueled by sentiment and nostalgia. It's not a very, like, I don't know, it's not very cerebral, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be honest. Um, Like score for me and none of my scores are very I think like Claire we talked about it before but Claire has a very like like rigid system where she ranks her stuff and I just go with whatever I feel like so <laughs> um yeah oh well oh well I mean we all have different opinions that's fine we do. Uh, no, now, yeah. now you're making me feel bad. Maybe I should have ranked it higher. <laughs> no, don't don't turn into me. Do you remember how I was like, oh, I ranked this one higher than before, but I don't think this is like that higher than the other one. I don't know why I ranked it this way. Don't second you guess yourself. You, <laughs> you are where you want to be. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope people don't hate me for it. No, 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 no. I think the majority of the people who will listen to it probably will not have heard about a very popular musical and if you haven't heard about a very popular musical and you are fond at the very least of the series I would highly suggest for you to check it out it is a little bit outdated but it has a lot of heart um okay and that's it for this episode so if you do want to interact with us about this episode or any other episodes that we've done in the past or if you want to suggest something for us to cover please let us know um you can find us on podway podcast on instagram twitter and reddit and you can also email us on podwaypodcast at gmail.com thank you so much guys thank you guys for listening and we will see you in the next episode yeah bye bye